Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of Emotional Wellbeing with Emotional Ability Resources. Here I have stories of 51 real people who do real things to take care of their mental health. Because while it's helpful to come to a therapist or went out in a safe space, I personally believe that those little things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis to take care of our mental health and our emotional well-being is what matters. Because like a dentist could fix your root canal or perhaps the cavity, but that daily brushing is something that you need to do for yourself on a daily basis, right? So have an issue, give ear to it. That is first pay attention. What is it that the issue is trying to tell you? Acknowledge it and then use your emotional ability resources to develop and grow and see your own mental strength unfurling. So today I have Nupur Chandra with me, a fantastic young lady who juggles multiple roles with Elan. She has been a consummate hospitality professional with over 11 years of experience in sales and marketing. And she has a very focused approach to revenue generation, profitability, and building strategies. So while on the professional front, she has achieved a lot, today we are going to see the real Nupur who does her own bit to take care of her mental health and ensure that she functions optimally in spite of the challenges ahead. So over to you, Nupur. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. Thank you, Pragati, for having me over. And yeah, it's an honor and pleasure to have a chat with you. So yes, let's, let's get started. To be very honest, I heard your dentist uh, analogy and what to say, it's actually true. We need to do our own bit. And with our lives in today's hectic schedules, it becomes even more important to manage our you know, there's a lot of talk that's going on right now about your mental health and about your well-being, especially now that we've been in this pandemic era for about good two years now and it doesn't seem to be ending. Work from home, managing various responsibilities has taken a toll on all of us. So yes, it's, it's actually very important to see what works for you. It's like how you say in terms of your own personal styling, whether it's shoes or clothes or anything, there's something that work for you and there's something that don't. Uh, and I think uh, when it comes to emotional well-being, it's the same thing. You know, you see a lot of these influencers on Instagram, on Facebook, giving you, I don't know how many tips and going tish, tish, tish. And, you know, a lot of it does not really work for you. So you have to but they're good, you know, they give you ideas, but you have to pick and choose. You have to see what works for you, what, what you are able to do without stressing yourself out. So, yes, that's, that's, that's a very important topic that you've picked up and I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you so much. So I like this approach, you know, see what works for you. So where I want to begin with you is uh, tell me your personal story. How did Nupur become the Nupur of today? What was your story of... Uh, growth and emotional well-being through the years so okay so I come from very humble backgrounds in fact uh, my I think a lot of times when I narrate my story there's a large part of, part of it which becomes my parents story because theirs has been an adventurous life and I think I draw a lot of energy a lot of strength or drama for that matter from them they eloped and got married uh, and in a state like Jharkhand, back when they were only 16 and 20. 
So, so it is, you know, I, I get my, and a lot of people who know me, they say that I come with a lot of drama and I like a little bit of drama in life, but I think I get it from them. So they were courageous enough to run away at that early age. And my father is no more, but whatever life that he spent with us, he had this, this entire live life king size approach. He always and always wanted to live life king size. And, you know, I, I want to talk a lot about my mom, to be very honest, because a lot of who I am goes as a credit to my mom. But I do carry a little bit of my dad. Uh, especially I look like him so you know but one thing that I admired in my father or I still admire or it takes me back to him is that this there's a small story of him that one of his friends told me when he was in engineering and he wanted to you know he had to pay money for his engineering fees and his uh, parents were not able to send it across it did not come across till then they were working it out as I told you they were from Hamburg backgrounds so all of his batchmates, his classmates said, oh my God, we will miss the deadline. So let us kind of pool funds in and give him the money. So they gave him the money. And my father want, really wanted these nice cool sports shoes by that time. It was in 2000 rupees and his shoes was that. So he went and bought those shoes. Instead of going and, you know, <laughs> by putting down his fees, he went and bought those shoes. And the exam date for another two to three days away. And so everybody was like, what the hell did you do? So, you know, the confidence in himself, he was like, see, if I would tell people that I need to buy a new pair of shoes, I don't think anybody will help me out. But I still got three days to pay my exam fees. I'm sure all of you will not let me pay them, but I needed the shoes and I'll pay you back. And I know it's like, it may seem like a very weird story, but this was his approach throughout life. You know, he, he was a businessman, he saw lots of ups and downs, but never did I see him lose his smile. Never did I see him lose his faith in life. He always said that, you know, if even if today was a bad day and you could not fulfill what you went, you know, started out for, there's always tomorrow. So... You know, not that I suggest or say this to anybody to do that. Please pay your fees and don't buy the shoe. <laughs> but yes, living for today and, you know, doing what makes you happy was my father. And that's how he went. He went happy and smiling at a very young age. But that's how he was. Now, coming to my mom. My mom was 16 when she got married to this man that she loved. Mm -hmm. Spent almost 32 years of her life with that man and their family lost him. And before she got married, she had not seen a telephone, she had not seen a train. Mm -hmm. So she never really knew any of this. And uh, as and when she grew up, she had kids by the age of 21, like both me and my brother were there. And she learned through the ups and downs of life, supporting my father, she learned. She started, she completed her education. She learned, she got trained by Blossom Coacher for, uh, you know, British in beauty and hair. She opened her own beauty, uh, she opened her own boutique and she opened her own salon. So, you know, her journey from those humble backgrounds, from not seeing what a train actually looks like to now traveling business class and operating all the apps on her phone to literally she is the woman who puts us all together. Like me, my brother, my husband, my sister-in-law, and now my son are all put together because of her. 
she is like the epitome of courage and personal growth that I feel. And she always has like the best advice. For me, I go to her. And in life, I also feel like that if I am like just 10% of what she is, I think I would have made, made it like, you know, I would be there. So yeah, that's, that's my mom. And uh, I come from those backgrounds. I started my education in Rachi. Then my mother at a very young age felt that she should move to Delhi. So she got both the kids to Delhi, knowing very well that the husband would not be there to support her since he had his own business. But at a very young age, she got us here for our education. And then we studied here. I went to the Venkateshwara College in Delhi. Then I did my MBA in Bangalore. And after that, uh, hospitality to me actually happened by, again, by chance, because a Delhi girl in Bangalore for a year and a half, the most important thing that you miss is the food. And Oberoi came to our college for an internship. And the only advice that my seniors gave me is that if you want three months of very good food and good people to look at, do not let go of this internship. And they took, I think, seven or eight rounds of inter uh, interviews for an intern. And I was lucky to get through. And that when you when you start working at the Uberoys at such a young age, it leaves an impact to you. I am still grateful to all the friends I made, to the mentors that I've had from the Uberoys. I'm in touch with a lot of them right now. And uh, they inspire me. Each day, every day, they inspire me. So hospitality, what we call the hospitality career caught on to me at a very young age. And I was what they use the term, an enthusiastic cutlet. We used to call it into cutlet, who was very eager to learn everything. So I was the into cutlet back then. And that's where hospitality happened to me. And I never looked back since. It's been 11 years now. I think that's so beautiful, the way you weaved in your parents' story into who you are today. And yes, now that you mention your stint in hospitality, the story of the shoes also makes sense, you know. So where most children would have felt uh, very sad or perhaps a sense of shame that their father chose a pair of shoes over, you know, paying the fees. What kind of value system I come across? Uh, you know, I like the fact that you personally feel that, yes, please pay the fees and not the shoes. But how you have beautifully accepted that fact about your father and, you know, seen his joy for living. And that's your reminder of him, you know. So a lot of times when I deal with adults in therapy, one of the struggles is accepting your parents for who they are. And parents are not idols, you know. All idols have feet of clay. Most of us as children feel that, you know, my parents can't do anything wrong. So that calm serenity that I see on your face and as all my viewers here can see it today comes from the fact that you accepted certain facets about your parents, which were not in your hands, you know. They were who they were, and they lived life with the choices that they felt were the best at that point. So this kind of non-judgmental attitude is something which I feel builds our emotional ability resource. Most of the time in therapy, we stress a lot on early childhood experiences and what did not work. So I love the fact that a story which is not very parliamentary or <laughs> very politically correct, you have made it as a story of Jolo uh, in your life, you know, joy in spite of any challenges. So I, I just love it. You know, but that's who my father was. And uh, 
anybody who knew him, like even a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I remember one of his colleagues and uh, he mentioned this to me that, you know, my father's name was Sushil. So my uh, uncle who was who used to be a senior for him, who worked with him, he used to say that, you know, if I may say this in Hindi. Absolutely, absolutely. So he would, he would say that Sushil ko bolo tum ki jhaji, because he was a jhaji, jhaji chand leke aana hai niche. Like, you know, so jhaji kabhi ye nahi bolega ki nahi sir, aise kaise ho jaye. Jhaji bolega, acha sir, acha thik hai, koshish karte hai. Okay. So that was his approach in life. He would never say no. He has never said no to us for anything. Like my mother used to say that you come for 10 days and you spoil my like, But he never said no. And it wasn't just to us, it was to anybody. He may not have there are a lot of people that he helped, like you know, he, he lended a lot of money. He sometimes even like you know went out of his pocket to help people. But or to enjoy his own life. Like it was not just that he was in, uh, he was doing it for people and not doing for it for himself. No, no, no. My father would walk into a Marks and Spencer's and would buy toiletries, which were like of much more. And I would like, what is this? And he would make me buy. He was like, you buy this, you buy this. And I was the adult in the room. I was like, no, let's move out. But now that he's no more and now that I remember him, I do miss him, like, because it felt like I always had a back, you know, I had support. I knew that whatever happens, I can give a call to my father and he would always be like, okay, this is done, let's let's think. He's never going to say no to me. He may sometimes not be able to deliver, but he won't say no, he will try. So, you know, as you said, and I'm, I'm not saying that he was a perfect father or he was far from perfect, and, you know, but he had his own nuances. But yes, there are, there were goods and bads in everybody. And I think I do also have my own goods and bads. But uh, yeah, there are these things that I learned from him. There are these things that I remember about him, which is quite nice. As you said, YOLO. Yolo was his motto. He made it trending even before it became trending. Yeah, true. So, Nupu, tell me something. Any personal story or any adversity that you have faced, you know, where you feel that you discovered your emotional ability resources or where you strengthened up in spite of the challenges that you faced? So, uh, actually, I was diagnosed in, back in 2015, about November, I was diagnosed with spinal tuberculosis. It's called POTS syndrome. And I was working with the Hilton at that time. I was working for Global Sales and it was, it was quite hectic. Let's just say that it was quite hectic. Um, and, I, and I was diagnosed, and, which basically meant that I could not sit in a car anymore. And I, I had a traveling job. So and this happened in November and suddenly the life came to a halt. But I'm grateful for the people who were there with me because I think they took the news, like my professional people, I'm talking about my bosses back then. And uh, they took the news, I think, more sportingly than I did. And I wasn't allowed to be in a car. I wasn't allowed to sit for a long hours. And I was put on like these 18 months medicine and it was a slow process and all of that happened so and since these uh, you know these lymph nodes were very close to my vertebra i had a risk of you know something getting stuck to the vertebral column so it was really bad and it was i was very young i was i was not even like at that point in time i was in my late 20s so 
you know, it was very young to have something like that. And uh, yeah, for a moment, it did break me. And I started by medication. And when you start your tuberculosis medication, you get a lot of heat that's used in your body. It's a very strong root. So you, I used to get a lot of skin rashes. And I love seafood. And I, I once... I could not eat seafood, like all the fish, all the prawn. It was all gone. And again, I loved my job. I loved the work that I did. But, uh, and I thought I may lose it because I was not able to deliver that much. I could not travel. So, but my bosses came back, both my boss and my super boss at that time, Mr. Rusty, Mr. Samir Rusty. And he's in Dubai right now, but he and my regional director saw a salesman, Paradaris Pili. They sent me an email that you work from home. And this is way back in 2015 when work from home was not a thing. So they said you work from home, you do as much as you can, and we know you're going to do better. So you recover only and only when the doctors allow you and gives you a, give you a thumbs up is when you come back to work. But until that time, do whatever you want to because I didn't want to stop working because I knew if I would have just stopped working at that time, point of time, it would have taken a really bad toll on my mental self, you know, because it would just make me blank and only think about my disease. So I didn't want to stop working, but I didn't know how it is going to work with my, you know, job demands. But my bosses helped me out. And this happened on 22nd of November. And on 16th of December, 2015 is when I lost my father exactly less than a month and um, I don't know from where that strength came inside me but when I heard the news we were in Delhi and my father passed away in Jharkhand so we had to do this long journey towards the remote town and it was we started off at eight o'clock in the morning from home took a flight then had to get in a car uh, which was banned from me at that point in time but I had to get in a car and we reached to him at 9 p.m. in the night. So it was a full, more than a 12-hour journey, but not, I don't know, I think the somehow that uh, the sadness or the emotional part of it took over the physical pain that I was in. I, I have no idea. Or I was already on 25 days of meditation had happened. I don't know what it was, but I suddenly knew because I'm the elder sister, I knew I had to take care and I knew I had to be there and I, had, I knew I had to just stand. Like I cannot lie anymore. So I had to stand up and I had to do things and there were a lot of things that I had to do because I'm a Brahmin from Jharkhand so that my, my brother was not accessible for, you know, 13 days completely because he was doing all the stuff. And yeah, we actually had to deal with a lot because... You know, he was alone when he died. He passed away with certain cardiac arrest. Uh, but at the same time, you know, lots of things like from my parental side, like especially from my dad's side, didn't go as it should have. So it was it was an emotional toll. It was 14 year, 14 days of being in an unknown land, in an unknown territory, trying to cremate my father who passed away at 51. You know, I just spoke to him last night and, uh, you know, all of this happened and yeah, and then coming back home. So I came back home on 4th of January in Delhi and I didn't know what to do. I was, at that point of time, I was just blank. Uh, so 
yeah, that year was tough. 2016 was tough, dealing with my own physical pain and my own physical recovery. And dealing with such an emotional setback was, it was a tough year. Not just for me, I won't say it was just for me. It was earth shattering for my mother. It was very, very difficult for my brother because I still feel I'm, I'm the one in the family who still has her head on her shoulders. But uh, my brother was the pampered brat that he is, and especially by my father. So, you know, it was tough for him. He, like, and he's, he's a child, he's the kid of the family. And I saw him suddenly grow up. And uh, yeah, my, my husband was very close to my father. Yeah, so they were in business together and they were very close together. So yeah, it, it was it was bad. So that was a tough time. Uh, it took a lot from you know deep within to come come and to get over it. I won't say that it's still over for any one of us because uh, uh, death is death. You never get over it. Yes, but as time passes, as you said. We now remember him for all the fond memories, and uh, yeah, so that's that's one time in my life. I think that was the worst phase in my life, but yeah, we're through that. So tell me something that was really personal, and thank you so much for sharing, because you are really demonstrating, you know, that this too shall pass, and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You oh, know, it does, it does, oh, it does. So what is it that you do on a daily basis to take care of your mental strength and to keep the smile on your face? Uh, so I have one ritual that I, I followed since my dad's death. And it's a little offbeat. I don't know if it falls in the traditional well-being part, but I do this. I'm fortunate to have good hair. So they grow really fast. But whenever I feel that life is out of control or there's something that I'm unable to control in life, and I really want like controls back in life, and it happens. Like as I told you, that during that time I did feel feel that life. Like, whenever I feel like that, the first thing I do is go and chop my hair. <laughs> I do that. I do something really crazy with my hair. I color them in different shades, or I just cut them short. And I cut them short uh, because it gives me a sense of, you know, control. It feels like if nothing else in life that I can control, I can control my own head. So I chop them. I, I chopped them really short after my father's death. Um, I have chopped them short right now because I had a difficult pregnancy. Uh, so after my, you know, sudden C-section and my child being in the ICU and all, and then when he came out, and obviously it was difficult to maintain because I had like hair which was still waist long. So I chop them off. This is one of the things that I do. But, uh, you know, it keeps changing. My, my things for what I do for well-being kids keeps changing. Like I used to read a lot. I used to have the time when I used to read a lot. I felt like when I'm reading or when I'm engrossed in a book, uh, it kind of cuts me off and takes me into that world. So it gives a lot of peace. Um, nowadays, like my, my quirks these days, I'm in love with candles. Like seriously, and humidifiers and essential oils. Like this is something that I just recently discovered, and my house is filled with them. 
and when I'm because I was on my maternity leave, and whenever I get that little bit of time and the baby's with my mom, my husband is not at home. The one thing that I do is like I have all of these cool candles off, like you know, and I have my own you know cinnamon tea or some tea, and I just give myself some time where I don't really have to talk to anybody. I just have to you know sit down, just you know, be there in that moment. That's one thing that I do when I have the time. But uh, in a regular day or when I'm working or just general, when I'm at home, I am a typical Virgo. I'm a stickler for organization. Like my outlook, uh, outlook will have 25 folders. Each and everything has a folder. I have a general rule that at the end of the day, you should have you know, these many emails. And every should, everything that's done should go to the folder. Everything that's done should be tick marked. Like I get a personal joy when I'm tick marking something. <laughs> and yes, just keeping the things in its place. I, uh, whenever I do get the time, I love organizing the house, like putting things in shelves. My, my biggest uh, calming factor during the lockdown was to buy boxes and wardrobe organizers and different kinds of stuff uh, from Amazon. Like that was like my go-to place and just organizing everything. My in-laws and Abhi live together. So, and they have been in the house for 30 years and they're doctors. So they are hoarders, as, as I would say, they are hoarders. So in the last two years, but all I have done is just clean and fix wardrobes. And I can't tell you how calming it was for me. Like, I loved it. So, yes. So, uh, none of this, this, these are your usual well-being stuff. But for me, no, I, I, I kind of like it. And I think all our classmates at our IM program would love to see our residential Mary Kondo, you know. I don't <laughs> think they have seen this side of you. So, I think this is just about brilliant. And I love the way, you know, a lot of times when people come to me in therapy, one thing that they struggle with is trying to control the other person's behavior. You know, why did the person speak in a particular way, especially when it's a relationship counseling, you know, people really struggle with, why did my spouse speak in a particular way? Can't they watch their words? Can't they improve their behavior? If it's something to do with a child, it's always about he's not focusing on his grades. She always wants to go out. So there is always a need to control the other person. Even in work situations, you know, when I counsel people, I often hear stories of how unfair the supervisor has been how the work environment is not so good and you know how that's what is bogging us down so i so i love your emotional ability resource of just chopping your own hair you know so when you can't control anything else just control the length of your hair or the way your hair looks i I think that's a beautiful and a very practical emotional ability resource and sometimes what they don't teach us in our therapy school and you know all through our training I, i love these stories of real people because sometimes the simplest of things, you know, create mental strength and bring that focus back on, hey, I am there and I know how to take care of my issues. You know, that for me is the starting point as well as the end point of emotional well-being. I know things are not working out. Sometimes they fill me up with grief, like when it's the loss of a parent or when my own body physically has some kind of a disease which really requires a lot of extensive care. But my spirit, my attitude, and my commitment to emotional well-being is something that I make on a regular day. 
So thank you, Nupur. That was so beautifully brought forward by you. And I loved listening to your story. So before we wind up, is there any particular tip that you want to leave uh, our viewers with or any message or a story of inspiration that you want to share? Uh, I don't know if I'm in a position of sharing like a story of inspiration, uh, but I would share a story of learning. And my biggest learning that has come in during these times where one of the industries, the you know, the industries that is very badly hit is the industry that I work in. Uh, you know, and so throughout the last two years, I think I've seen everything. I was a professional, I was a high-flying professional, if you may call it. I was traveling for 15 days of you know, 15 days a month. I was uh, you know being sought as the young leader or the woman who you know is doing so much and you know, literally, I was, uh, I felt like I was living a dream or I felt like being busy or being the professional that I am or my work was defining, like, you know, my work defined who I was. The last two years gave me a reality check. And uh, that, you know what, your professional career, your work, they vanish. They, they can end and the companies can look for a different person the very next day. Because throughout this period, we, like every other company, there were layoffs, where there were times when I had to say, you know, the deliver be the messenger for the bad news. And after that, I had a difficult pregnancy, which were made even more difficult due to the second wave. And so many things happened, but throughout it all, the one thing that was a constant in life was family. And they never change, you know. They're the same. They have their own quirks. I, I there's no nothing called as a perfect family. Uh, you know, each individual in you know, my family, especially, is a different breed altogether. Uh, it's a house of madness. But there's a lot of acceptance in amongst all of us. And if we can get that, if you can find your bunch with which who accept you the way you are. It can be your family, it can be your friends. They are not there to change you. They're not there to tell you, oh my God, you know, you are thinking too emotionally. Oh my God, you are being too, what to say, to you. A lot of things we hear, I think we, I read on the book to, today itself, that being too much. For them, you're never too much. They may make fun of you. They may say, oh my God, uh, but they're there. And I think it's important in life to find that support. It can be just one person, it can be your family, it can be anybody. But if you have that support, I think life becomes easier. So finding the support is the most important thing, uh, for me at least. So I think I'm not being defined by your profession. These are the beautifully put, you know, because a lot of times, especially now, people feel a lot of isolation from others, you know, physical isolation has happened, of course, due to COVID, but where they feel that nobody is there to watch their back, even their closest people. And, you know, I like the fact that you're talking about investing in building a supportive network. So while it's most convenient, if it's your family members, some of the people watching us out there may not have that kind of acceptance from their own family. So I urge those people to build a supportive network, build your own tribe. It could be people. Build your own tribe, seriously. 
And while, I, while I spoke about my family, who I'm lucky to have around me, to be very honest, my girl tribe or the people that I connect the most, none of them are in the city anymore. So I have somebody in Chandigarh, I have somebody in Canada and somebody in the US and somebody in London. But I have these four people. I know I can connect with them. I know I can send them a text in the middle of the night. And I know I have them. So yes, while you know there is a physical separation, I think technology has brought us closer than uh, you know any previous times. So use that. Keep these people close, and that would require work. It doesn't happen. It, it doesn't happen just one day. It is going to require work. It is going to require you to take some time out for these people. But I think it's important. So that's the investment that actually going to be with you. Very true. And, you know, so I recommend that everybody, please do build up a tribe for yourself. If you have it amongst friends and family, great. Otherwise, reach out to the wider community. If there is a specific issue that you grapple with, it could be addiction. It could be abuse. It could be codependency, it could be challenges at work, or just not being the best that you could be. Trust me, in this online world, there's support available for everything. All you need to do is take the first step to first acknowledge that something is pinching. When the shoe pinches, you need to do something about it. Because till you do not acknowledge that the shoe pinches, you will never do anything about it. Therapy is always there. If there is some kind of a mood disorder or some kind of difficulty that is just refusing to evaporate beyond two weeks, you know, whether you feel that life doesn't make sense or your own productivity has gone down or in some ways life feels completely unmanageable, I urge you to seek support. Because what happens is we are very ashamed of seeking support. We feel our emotional well-being is something that's happened, uh, that's supposed to happen naturally. But like we were discussing, Nupur, nothing happens naturally. What happens naturally usually are things or changes that we are not prepared for, whether in the form of an illness or loss of someone uh, who's close to us or challenges at work or difficulties in relationships. So those are things we can't control. But what we can control is how we view the situation. Because, you know, Maya Angelou always spoke about it, you know, always fly free. Don't be the bird who's caged, you know. We, we always sit in our cage, even when the door is open. So it's really very important to venture out of our own comfort zone and see what's working for us. And Nupur, I loved hearing you. So in one word, how would you describe Nupur for me? Just one word. Organized. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I would be organized. Like, I would I, So I, I love that, you know, how she creates her emotional well-being by being organized, you know. Being organized gives her a sense of control when everything around her seems unmanageable. So when she manages herself and organizes her day-to-day living, she feels a sense of emotional well-being. So what is it that works for you? I would love to know. Put your thoughts in the comment section below. And thank you so much for watching us. And thank you very much, Nupur, for being here. All the thank very best. Thank you. It was lovely talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.